Welcome to the Human Performance Outliers podcast with your hosts, Dr. Sean Baker and Zach Bitter. At Human Performance Outliers podcast, we dive into a wide range of topics revolving around health, nutrition, and physical fitness. If you enjoy the show and wish to support us, please visit patreon.com forward slash HPO podcast. If you do not use Patreon but still wish to support us, please also consider checking out our PayPal page at paypal.me forward slash HPOpod. The link to both of those can also be found in the show notes. Finally, please consider subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening platform. Now, on to the next topic. I've got to be done by about five minutes to 12, so that gives us a little over an hour if you guys are available for that, for however long and much you can use. And, uh, that would be great. So, Scott, you're in. Uh, you're here. Wes was telling me you're just in San, San Clemente now, and I'm in. Uh, can you hear us? Or do we lose him? Uh, looks like we've lost in the screen. Oh, there it goes. Hey, Scott, can you hear us? I think Scott might just be on mute. Looks like he muted himself. Maybe he realized he doesn't have anything to contribute, and he just muted. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to remember if we've done a four-person podcast before, and I think we had the it was the, the Bell Brothers on. Safe. We had the Bell Brothers on. We had Safe and uh, Michael Goldstein. Oh, on. that's right. Yeah, uh-huh. they're on the same mic. They're on the same. Mic. Scott, can you hear us? Yeah, I can. I can. Sorry about that. I changed my um, my router to try to pick up a try to get a better better connection. Gotcha. So I'm hoping that's right. better. Cool. So we're all here. So anyway, welcome guys. Um, you know, uh, we are kind of interested. This is sort of a, just a different topic. It's, it still kind of goes into the health and fitness sort of realm, but we, we often talk about nutrition, but as most of us know, particularly Zach and I, I mean, it's more than just eating them. I mean, you got to eat the right diet in my view, but there are a lot of, a lot of other things out there. And you guys are in the space of, I guess, what many people call it photobiomodulation. I guess that would be the sort of the term for the science that you guys are employing to, you know, uh, theoretically help with uh you know different different aspects of health and so there's a product out there called the juve it's a it's a it's a red and infrared light uh device that comes in different sizes and i've had the fortune of trying one out and i can talk about my experience a little bit of that but can you guys tell us a little bit about the background tell us a little bit about yourselves first and then we can get into what's going on with this red light stuff because it's, it's kind of a newer thing i know a lot of people are employing it with success and a lot of people are you know curious about it so we should we should discuss that Sure, Sean, you want me to go first and Wes, you can follow up. Is that cool? Yeah. S- sounds great. Well, this, this is Scott um, and I'm one of the, the co-founders of Juve and I, I spent, uh, I'll try to be brief because I, I know the listeners probably want a little bit more about, uh, want to learn a little bit more about how, how this can actually work for them, you know, in terms of optimizing their health. But um, I spent the, most of my professional career in the traditional medical device space. Um, primarily the peripheral vascular space, working with, you know, interventional cardiologists, interventional radiologists, neurointerventionalists, et cetera. Um, so when I first heard about red light therapy uh, uh, and, and was introduced to it by, by my wife and um, sister-in-law, I was super, super skeptical. I thought it was complete woo-woo science. Um, I, I was used to um, kind of what I considered uh, real medical stuff. Um, Sean, as you can probably attest to that, you know, being uh, uh, an orthopedic uh, uh, surgeon yourself. So, um, 
I was super skeptical, but um, I, I, I uh, to make kind of the story short, I, I, I went straight to the, the published uh, clinical data. Um, and you referred to it earlier. Most academics refer to this, uh, this therapy as photobiomodulation. Um, and I was quickly blown away by the, by the sheer amount of published peer-reviewed research on, on the therapy. Um, so the, the sheer amount of it and, and the wide variety of benefits that were showcased in that literature. So I, I, I sort of quickly uh, uh, overcame my, my skepticism um, and, um, in conjunction with my wife, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law, um, we, we didn't intend to start a company around this, but, um, but, uh, kind of realized that there wasn't really a lot of products available, um, especially for, for home use. Uh, most of them at the time, this was, uh, back in 2015, most of them at the time were, um, small little handheld devices that were very underpowered. And so in order to receive a clinically relevant dose of energy, you had to use this little thing for, uh, for a long period of time. And it was just hard to be compliant. And so um, we, we saw what appeared to be some gaps in the market. And so we thought, huh, this, um, this is a really cool therapy supported by a ton of science. There really isn't a lot of great options available. And so Justin, my brother-in-law, who I referenced uh, before as an engineer, he kind of built out some early prototypes and, uh, and we were off to the races. Cool. Wes, jump in, man. Tell us your little business and then we'll get into this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Scott, as Scott mentioned, he's my, he's my brother-in-law and uh, Justin's also my brother-in-law. So it was my two sisters, uh, Liz and Melissa, and then Scott and Justin, uh, my brother-in-law who, who started the company. And I was uh, e as equal uh, skeptic. Um, I actually had a prototype for about eight to nine months uh, in my, in my bedroom before I actually ever, ever touched it. Um, and then once I, 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 I've always been traditionally, a, a, you know, for, for lack of a better term, kind of a gym rat. I've always been pretty in tune to my body. Um, anything I really change, I, I really notice um, what it is and what I've implemented. And once I, once I started giving um, the light a shot uh, cons consistently, I saw dramatic increases in, in blood flow before exercise, sleep, um, recovery, and then, and then skin. So once I experienced those benefits and, and saw how there was just so, uh, you know, the entire market um, from athletic performance, um, you know, to the alternative health space, nobody was aware or, or, or using light to their, to their benefit. Um, so it's something I just wanted to be a part of as soon as I experienced the product. And, and as Scott mentioned, we were off to the races from there. I, I came on board shortly after they had, they had launched and we've been, we've been kind of pluck, uh, chugging away since then. Guys, before we hop into kind of the, the like uh the details or the the back science behind some of this stuff i think like you guys both mentioned it and it was the first thing i thought when i kind of heard about you know red light therapy was that kind of first impression especially for someone who's maybe not aware or doesn't see the research that's out there is that of skepticism so like when you have a company like that it's really intriguing to me to think like that you guys have this like probably very big educational component that you have to find a way to roll out to the general public in a way that kind of can connect with them or that they can wrap their heads around how big of a kind of an uphill battle has or is that for you guys trying to just get the information out to people so that you can kind of get past that maybe first layer of skepticism that, 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 that's a great point zach and it, it really goes into just the lack of understanding of light in general when it comes to health and what I mean by that is like nobody uh, for, for the vast part, at least, at least I didn't get a ton of formal education on what your circadian rhythm is and how your body operates on rhythms. And light is a huge, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, mechanism that kicks off that circadian rhythm that we go off of. So I would say it's just the lack of light in general. And then when you throw in 
you know, uh, uh, photobiomodulation aspect and the therapeutic benefit, there's just a drastic huge curve where we're, we're facing consumers that are just unaware that light is much more than an illumination device. Um, so, it, you know, one, once you dive in, and that's why we've, 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 we've dedicated a ton of resources, uh, resources towards education and podcasts like these are so beneficial because it really opens and lifts people's eyes up to really what light is and how it's, it's, it not only is it is a base piece of a fundamental health from circadian rhythm aspect, but then when applied correctly, it can provide a plethora of benefits. Now let's talk a little bit about what actually is photobiomodulation because that's a term many people haven't heard. I mean, you know, I guess if you're, if you can piece it together, you can kind of figure that out, but let's talk a little bit about what's actually occurring. Uh, we can talk about what does a peer reviewed science suggest so far, because I've, I've seen, uh, you know, some claims made. I've seen some that is supportable by science, some that is still speculative. So let's talk about what's in the books, what what seems to be pretty, at least there's convincing science on it, and, and just kind of talk a little bit more about the biology of this. Sure. So in terms, I'll, 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 I'll take that one up front. There's um, in terms of benefits, well, and we'll circle back around maybe to the, to the, um, the mechanisms here in a second, but in terms of the benefits, um, they're really wide ranging, as I mentioned before. And the, the unique thing is like all of these benefits, everything from muscle recovery to p enhancing peak athletic performance, to better sleep, to decreased joint pain and inflammation, to uh, younger looking skin, um, not to sound like a late night QVC commercial, but it kind of does. But th the cool thing is, is that all of those benefits I just mentioned, there's, pl there's plenty more all supported by clinical research. But when you look at kind of the, the, the robust uh, amount of research available, some is very emerging. It's early, you know, I mean, we're talking about maybe four or five years old in terms of like this buildup of, uh, of research, um, in, in a certain category, others it's, it's, it's very, very deep, um, and I, I would tend to say the three buckets, the three sort of benefit categories that are supported by the most research are uh, muscle recovery and athletic performance. There's a ton of data uh, that showcases the benefits there. Joint pain and inflammation is another big kind of category as well. Uh, and then skin, better looking skin. So those are probably the big three. And then there's a bunch of just emerging um, emerging categories uh, like male infertility, uh, testosterone uh, production, uh, sleep, um, uh, 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 benefits related to um, uh, brain injuries, et cetera. So there's a lot of these emerging, this emerging research too. Um, so it, it's kind of cool to be a part of that. We're continuing, as Wes mentioned earlier, we're continuing to invest ourselves in, in clinical researches too. I think we're enrolling um, in uh, participants in I think five or six different studies right now. Um, but um, all of those kind of to circle back around, Sean, to the kind of the mechanism of action, the reason all the reason the benefits are so wide ranging is because of the core mechanism of action and that these these specific wavelengths of light actually help uh, your cells produce more ATP energy. Uh, and we can certainly go deeper there. Um, but because we have mitochondria in nearly every cell in our body, these wavelengths of light stimulate those mitochondria um, in, in our cells to produce more energy. And that's why you see such a wide variety of, of benefits. Do you guys know like how, uh, how much of those benefits are deriving from just an increased quality of sleep. Cause when I think of like nutrition and kind of the rest component, in my own training, you know, I'm looking at like what I, what I decide to eat and when I decide to eat it as something that could possibly contribute to how well I sleep that night, which is going to be a, a big component of me bouncing back from a big workout and getting, getting that muscle recovery and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely, Zach. That that's that's kind of my own uh, hypothesis. Is that all of this is funneling uh, through enhancing sleep? Because um, you're not, we're not going to see the testosterone numbers that we've seen, or muscle recovery is not going to happen unless sleep is enhanced. And that's actually 
the number one feedback we get back from um, professional athletes that implement our product is their sleep is enhanced. Um, and it, it's enhanced, uh, you know, tremendously because they're, they're just so, uh, you know, bombarded by fight or flight mode. You know, they're constantly um, on the go, exposed to artificial blue light. And when you can just implement a healthy dosage of light, we're seeing across the board from, from customers and as well as professional athletes that sleep is enhanced. So I completely agree in that. I mean, we, we, we could talk about that as far as just lighting in general. I mean, go back to, to really what we've done as, as a society um, in the world from just when we created the light bulb all the way to we have the cell phone. Sleep's decreased, you know, two and a half, uh, two, two hours and 30 minutes. Um, you know, so we averaged uh, in 1910, we averaged nine hours of sleep. Now we average six and a half. You know, that's drastically different. And now we're, we're really having to find ways to counteract that, right? We, we implement stuff as a society so quickly, and then we have to really see, okay, maybe this isn't the best. Maybe it's not the best to have a cell phone on past, past dark, you know, it, it impacts sleep. So, I mean, to, to go back to your question, yeah, definitely. Sleep is, in, in, in my opinion, one of the core mechanisms that's enhanced, and that's why you're seeing a lot of these benefits. Yeah, I'll just interject here, and that's been my experience using this thing for, for a month or so. It has improved my quality of sleep. You know, when I when I do, you know, I remember once you guys came out the house, helped me set it up. We put it downstairs next to the gym, and my girlfriend got jealous. So I had to move it upstairs to the bedroom, and so now, <laughs> now I use it more before I go to bed than before I work out because I, you know, you, you know, ideally you do it with with uh, no clothes on, and so it's kind of you know, more of a more of a challenge to do it that way. But uh, let's talk about the, the the you know because we talk about these particular wavelengths because I think what, I think what six fifty eight fifty or six fifty five eight fifty nanometers. One's red and one's different spectrum. Why those numbers? Why not 700? What, what's, what's, what's special about these particular uh, wavelengths? I, I, mean, I, I can start there and then Scott can, can jump in. I'm not, I'm not the, I'm, I'm by no means a biology major, but um, our, our cells just respond to those specific wavelengths. And, and, and a theory that is there is, is the hydrogen um, responds and gets stimulated by those specific wavelengths and essentially can, can reduce the water viscosity in our cells for the body to be able to create more ATP. So essentially our nanomotors spin faster. I mean, they, and it's, it's really odd is, is you mentioned the 700 wavelengths is they, they've studied those wavelengths and 700, I believe to 770, those wavelengths have no effect um, on enhancing mitochondria function. So it's really that, that a very narrow band. And, and uh, you know, oddly enough, 50% of the sun um, is, is always giving off the, the red and infrared spectrum. So it's a natural wavelength that our body should be getting on a regular basis. And the fact that nobody gets outside anymore, um, and, and, and there's, a, there's a stat that 93% of Americans' uh, lifetime is now being spent indoors, um, leaving just 7% of their, their natural life exposed to sunlight. So we're just really light deprived as a society, and we get bombarded by one specific spectrum of light, which is blue light. And blue light is never present um, and sun, natural sunlight without the accompaniment of red light. So it, it, for, uh, you know, to answer your question, it's, it's the theory there is that our, the, the hydrogen can communicate with that specific wavelength and essentially uh, stimulate the cells to reduce the water viscosity and then mitochondria can continue to, to kick out um, ATP for the body. Yeah, but and, and just to, to piggyback on, on that for, for those listening that aren't familiar with kind of photobiomodulation and different wavelengths of light, the, the light spectrum is really broad. 
Um, and it's an analogy I like to use is, um, you know, if you're, you're, everyone's familiar with how our bodies metabolize different macronutrients from proteins to carbs to fats, et cetera our bodies sort of tend to respond uh, in different ways to different wavelengths of light. So even, even infrared, as an example, you know, if you've ever sat in an infrared sauna, um, at, at, typically those saunas are delivering mid and far infrared wavelengths. So any, anywhere from, you know, uh, around 2000 nanometers to 20,000 nanometers. And those wavelengths are great at, at inducing heat stress on the body. Um, so our bodies respond to those, those far, those mid and far infrared wavelengths. What we're talking about here with respect to photobiomodulation or light therapy is actually a very narrow window between about 600 and 900 uh, nanometers and more specifically red and then near infrared light. And as Wes, as Wes mentioned, there was a long, kind of a long um, sort of a, a theory within the photobiomodulation community that, um, that, you know, has sort of been in place for the better part of 10 to 15 years that these specific wavelengths, red and near infrared in those, in those, uh, in those, um, those ranges that you mentioned earlier, Sean, about mid 600 nanometer range and the mid 800 nanometer range, uh, that those actually helped um, break the bond between uh, uh, a protein called uh, cytochrome C oxidase uh, and, and uh, nitric oxide. And by breaking that bond during cellular respiration, you got a, uh, you, you got a release of nitric oxide, which stimulated uh, vasodilation vascular dilation and then um by freeing up cytochrome c oxidase you, you you allowed basically your cells to produce energy more efficiently that theory is 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 beginning to um sort of like there's some researchers that are kind of poking holes in that theory and and some some are even saying that no it's it's actually significantly different in that as wes pointed out that that um actually the hydrogen atoms during cellular respiration ha uh, resonate uh, um, actually very well with red and near-infrared light. And because of that, you actually can reduce the viscosity of, of, um, of uh, the, the water inside your mitochondria, which is different than kind of the water as we kind of tap water or, or drinking water. And so because of that, you actually, um, um, the, the nanomotors that spin along the electron transport chain can actually just rotate faster and you just, your cells become more efficient at producing energy. So there's different, different theories uh, for sure. And I think we'll continue to learn more about them. But at, at the end of the day, these, these specific wavelengths of light stimulate your mitochondria to, produce, to work better, to produce more energy. Yeah, I mean, when you start talking about the, the nanomotors, I mean, that's, you know, that, that sounds a little bit like some of the theory around deuterium and some of the stuff the guys like you know, Jack Cruz and Laszlo Boris and those guys kind of chat about that stuff. But I want to ask about, you know, we talk about the current modern situation where we're just, you know, staring at computer screens, staring at uh, their phones, or getting perhaps an excess dosage of blue light because of the technology it mostly admits blue light. But what if, you know, like somebody was skeptical, say, well, I'm just not going to stare at my phone and I'm going to just get outside in the sun. I mean, is there any, I mean, would that equally be as effective? Or are we seeing that, I mean, how do we sort of distinguish between specific red light? Is this red light counteracting the overstimulation of blue light? Or is it something additional that we would get that we wouldn't normally get out of just regular sunlight? You, you, you definitely will get a benefit getting out. But I, most people don't have the luxury of going out, uh, you know, naked um, because they don't want to scare their neighbors to death. You know, so you, you do get a benefit getting out just in sun. That, that no doubt will enhance your sleep. If you, if you work in an office environment um, on a regular basis and the lighting isn't good. If you find ways to creep out during the day, it's going to enhance your, your, your sleep. It's Dr. Uh, Sashin Panda talks about that, um, in his book, uh, the, the circadian codes. And you ever heard him on other interviews, he'll talk about how lighting is so important and, and so important that he sees in the next five to 10 years that there'll be, you know, there'll be a building code that there has to be a, an amount of natural sunlight that automatically, you know, folks are exposed to. But, um, to answer your question, 
you're, you know, unless you're getting that full body application, um, you're really not going to get the significant benefit of, of stimulating those, those cells. And, and, and a part of a, a you know, problem now is folks are so, like we talked about, they're not getting outside. A lot of folks risk, you know, sunburn. We got those weekend warriors, right, that they never get out in the sun and then they go to the beach on Saturday and they look like a tomato after, you know, an hour and a half. So there, there, there's some pros and cons there to, uh, for folks. Um, but, but nonetheless, yeah, there is a benefit, but you really have to be outside for a significant time to see that. Let's talk a little bit about dosages because, uh, you know, that's the thing, you know, you wonder because, you know, if we know we've got this huge light spectrum, some of the visible, some, you know, some of the ultra, ultraviolet, some of the infrared, you know, at the, at the ends of the visible spectrum. And we talk about how much are we seeing out in sunlight with natural ambient light, what dosages, you know, how much red are we getting, how much ultraviolet are we getting? How does that sort of, how does sunlight compare to, or how do we just determine the dose from this machine relative to what you might actually get from the sun? How, does, how do those things compare? You know, we talked about the, the far and, and medium uh, infrared spectrum, you know, with the 20,000 nanometers, or nanometers, yeah, <laughs> wavelength. Uh, you know, how do we how do we figure out dosages on this stuff? Yeah, that that topic of dosing is 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 really interesting because when you look at like the the um, the the broad amount of clinical data, it it really depends on the tissue type, um, what's being treated. Um, I would say in general, uh, when you look when you kind of evaluate the research, um, it it's um, it's hard to overdo light therapy. It really is. Um, it's kind of like you know. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of like overdoing, you know, drinking water, you know, you really have to drink a ton of water to like, uh, have any experience, any sort of down downstream negative ramifications. Um, but kind of comparing it to the sun, um, Sean on a, you know, if you're in a, a semi latitude, uh, yeah, say, say you are doing, you know, naked sun, sunbathing in, 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 uh, in full spectrum sunlight, uh, during midday sun, if you spend an hour, about an hour in the sun, you'll receive close to a million joules of energy. Um, and so, um, it's really hard to deliver that, that amount of energy, uh, in a, in a photobiomodulation device. Um, so it's, it's really kind of going back to my earlier comment. It's really hard to do it. I mean, even taking your system that you've got the Juvelite that delivers in about a 10 minute, uh, period of time, um, that delivers close to about 200,000 joules. So um, if you do some calculations, you'll be kind of close to a million joules, you know, uh, and if you, if, you're to, if you were to use that in an hour, um, which we don't recommend, we usually recommend about a, about a 10 minute treatment time, generally speaking. Um, um, I will kind of just, just to add, add a little bit more context to this, for, for skin related benefits or like, you know, uh, tissue types that are, are close to the surface of, uh, of our skin, you typically don't need as, as, much, as much joules of energy um, uh, to receive uh, uh, clinically relevant benefits. But the data is pretty clear that for, for deep tissue treatment, whether it's muscle recovery or reducing joint pain and inflammation, et cetera, you do need a, a fair amount of, of, of energy um, to, re to receive those types of benefits. So again, it kind of depends on what you're treating. Um, and, um, that's kind of why we, we, with our devices anyway, we typically recommend about a 10 minute treatment time, um, which depending on the, depending on the size of your device equates to different, uh, different dosing parameters. Do you guys have different protocols for dosing based on the person's relative access to the outdoors? Cause like, I think like, you know, you might get someone that you mentioned earlier who barely gets out during the work week and then maybe pops out for a bit in the weekend know, versus someone like myself who lives in Phoenix and might be outside for two, three hours a day, just getting in the, my workout 
is there like a smaller dose for someone in my context versus someone who might not see the light of day for days on end? <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, it, that's where, and Scott's talking about it's tough. And we, we generally, we recommend if somebody is just starting out, they start with just a one minute treatment, see how their body responds. So it's just not an all of a sudden shock to the system. Um, but it, it's really tough. And we, we have found that 10 minutes per, per treatment area has been pretty, pretty fair for most folks. Um, you could go up to 1215. We, we haven't seen much benefit past that. Um, but, but nonetheless, the dosing part, that's something where the science and, and, and it's exciting that we can advance that and see that through clinical studies and really test dosages. But typically we've found a response with our products, um, at a distance of about four to six inches for 10 minutes per treatment area has been pretty, pretty impactful for, for most folks. But um, if they, if they, if they're not used to getting uh, adequate light exposure, starting out with just a one minute treatment is, is what we recommend and, and build from there. Hey, let me, let me go back to the circadian biology stuff because I mean, that certainly has become a more, uh, a topic of more interest recently, um, you know, with the work of Satch and Panda and others, um, talk about timing of this product, because, you know, if we look at the natural sort of, uh, sort of radiation patterns from the sun, you know, as the sun sets, the, 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 the spectrum of light that has to go through the atmosphere, that's why we see a red sunset, it changes. How do we, how do you recommend, it's, does timing matter when you do this? I know, I know you've talked about doing a pre-workout and then sometime in the day, I mean, is it something you want to do first thing in the morning before you go to bed? What, what is, you know, just for general, for the general user, what, what would you say would be, how, how do we, how do we sort of put that in context of the time of day usage? We, we, we've seen, um, uh, well, first of all, from what we've seen, there's never been a bad time to implement it. There, there hasn't, you know, through the research, that hasn't been dialed in yet of when is the best time to use it. I, I would say it probably depends on what you're, you're, you know, you're looking to treat. Um, whether you're looking to enhance sleep, I would recommend timing it around uh, sunset. Um, you know, because in, 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 in nature from the sun, uh, red and near infrared are most present um, during sunrise and sunset. That's why you see that sky has that, uh, that the sun has that red tint. Um, so if you're going by, by regular rhythms, probably would be sunrise and sunset. Um, but to date, we haven't, we haven't seen a negative impact. I, I, I have a, a group in Michigan that's testing our product and they're just doing um, treatments in the middle of the day. And what they're seeing through live live EG scans of the brain is that it's it's reducing stress the the, the stressful uh, wave uh, brain waves um, and bringing up the calming ones. Um, it's bringing down high beta waves and bringing up uh, low theta waves. And that that's in midday. So that's kind of to be determined of when is the most adequate time to use it. But if you're going by when it's most present in and you know during actual nature, it would be sunrise and sunset. Now for a word from our sponsors. This episode of HBO is brought to you by Juve. Juve uses targeted red light therapy to help assist with the changes to light exposure in our modern environment. I've been trying out their desktop model recently and Sean has been using their full body model. I personally love the convenience of the desktop model for when I'm working on coaching plans or editing podcasts and just kind of generally sitting at the computer for long parts of the day. I can just set it and kind of forget it and it'll expose me to that red light therapy. Juve uses a unique Lego block design, so if you start small, you can always add units later to build a bigger model. 
If you think you might benefit from more red light exposure, check out some of the wide ranging clinically proven benefits to red light therapy that are focused on things like recovery, sleep, performance, inflammation, etc. If you like what you see, consider Juve's third-party tested class two FDA registered devices. Their options include door or wall mounts, mobile stands, and even a portable Juve mini. Head over to juve.com forward slash HPO. That's J-O-O-V-V dot C-O-M forward slash HPO to see Sean's training video. Enter HPO at the checkout for a gift with your purchase. Now back to the show. Let's talk a little bit more about, because you guys alluded to their studies, you know, showing improvements in athletic performance and uh, sleep and some of these other areas where, and skin, and I've seen, I've seen a few others. I've read a number of those articles just, you know, as I wanted to be a little bit more intelligent about this stuff, but can you kind of outline maybe some of the actual findings, you know, in, in a little bit more detail, if you guys recall any of that stuff, we can kind of see if this is, if this is the actual, this is the amount of effect or if you guys remember that stuff off the top of your heads. Sean, are you referring to actual, like, uh, you know, conclusions from some of those studies? Yeah, I'd like to see, like, because people want to know what the magnitude of effect of something is, you know, if, if they're going to invest in a product, they're like, well, does it give me a significant benefit? Is it, is it placebo effect? Is it inconsequential? How do we, you know, let's talk a little bit more detail about what these studies have shown, because they're, as you said, there are several thousand st- studies out mm-hmm. there on photobiomodulation, and not, not all of them are within this spectrum. Obviously, there's different uh, light ranges. Let's kind of talk a little bit about the red light, infrared data that's out there, and, and more specifically about what the conclusions have been. Yep. So, so I, I would have to pull up some studies, um, you know, to, to name specific like per- percentages um, or, or uh, you know, certain, certain findings off, you know, without having to rattle, rattle them off the top of my head. But um, um, across the board, what you generally find is, yes, there is a statistical significance. Um, um, if, 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 they're act- if, the, if, the tra- if, the, if the study was, you know, a, um, a well, well-structured one, um, I, I, like th- when you when you when you evaluate like the the like the clinical data as a whole, um, those three kind of categorical benefits tend to stand out, you know, in terms of the the, the robust amount of data, um, uh, which, which are you know muscle recovery and athletic performance, um, joint pain and inflammation, and then skin health. Skin health obviously being a lot more qualitative in nature, um, but muscle and recovery and athletic performance, like there's so much data that clearly shows a difference when when using uh, red and near infrared light on a consistent basis. Um, consistent meaning like even as low as two to three times a week, uh, there's noticeable benefits. Um, we're seeing that even in this, in the studies that, that, that were, uh, where our full body devices are being used right now. Um, in fact, uh, Wes is working with a group in Brazil, um, that's associated with the university of Sao Paulo. And right now their athletes are just using our, our, the, the large system, the Juvelite, um, Sean, that you've got, um, for what was it, Wes, two and a half minutes. Um, and they're seeing significant reduction in, in, um, and oxidative stress um, and the buildup of, of, of lactic acid in their muscle just by using it a relatively short amount of time. So those three categorical benefits are, are probably by, uh, um, by far and away supported by the most data. Where you get into some of this emerging stuff, is, it's, it's really interesting, like testosterone production. You know, Ben Greenfield is kind of well known for, you know, kind of, um, you know, uh, sort of, sh- you know, shining this, you know, this shining this red light on his, on, on his balls. Um, and so that's where the, that's where the clinical data um, is a little bit, I mean, it's very early, you know, in, in full transparency. I think what you, most of it's on mammals right now. Um, we're actually enrolling participants right now, uh, both male and female um, um, 
uh, both males and females, um, in a, in a hormone related study right now, looking at testosterone to estrogen ratios and then progesterone estrogen ratios in females. Um, but the, the data there is, is, is very early. Um, it's, it's very promising, especially when you look at the, the, the mammal related studies. Um, but it's, it's, it's very early. Um, same thing kind of with, with sleep. Like we're, we're seeing some really interesting findings, you know, as Wes pointed out with, with that group in Michigan, the data there is still relatively early, I'd say with respect to sleep. Um, but it is, it is, it is fairly, fairly, fairly promising. And so I think at the end of the day, the way I'd sum up kind of the, the, the clinical data is in certain categories, like I mentioned, very strong in other categories, it's still very early. So you kind of have to, you have to believe in the science to a certain extent. Um, I, th I think we'll continue to learn, learn, learn more as this field accelerates, um, you know, very quickly. Um, but, but I think at the end of the day, consistency is key. Um, that it's not, this is not something like, um, not too, not too much different from like actively working out or eating a healthy diet. You can't do it like once or twice a week and expect to see like profound benefits. You need to be using it on a, on a consistent basis. Um, ideally daily. Um, but, but at least five to six times a week is probably a good, a good, uh, a good amount. Um, and with certain categories like joint pain and inflammation, most people tend to see a pretty quick response, um, depending on the severity of like the pain, like joint pain they're experiencing with other benefits like skin health. It does take a little bit more time to see, uh, significant differences. I would argue that some of that's just because it's hard to notice, you know, skin related differences because we look at our, our, our face in the mirror every day. But when you look at the clinical data with respect to skin health, it's usually like, Really like you know, anywhere from six to 12 weeks uh, before you'll see those qualitative, you know, uh, differences related to skin health. So it kind of depends, but um, again, to kind of sum it up, consistency is key. Uh, there's no doubt that the clinical data uh, is very, very strong in certain categories. Um, and, uh, um, and, you know, we'll continue to, to, um, to, to I think, see certain other uh, categories like hormone health, as an example, really accelerate over the next few years. You, you kind of, you may have answered my question a bit there, but I was going to ask, like, is there something that you've gotten a lot of anecdotal feedback from customers that you feel will become a compelling argument for red light therapy that just hasn't been researched or studied in a clinical standpoint? Yeah, I would, I would say testosterone uh, is 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 one uh, for sure. I mean, the, the, like I kind of just mentioned, I want to like beat a, beat a dead horse here, but the the the, the data, the published uh, peer reviewed data is is pretty early at this point. But anecdotally across the board, we're seeing um, really strong results. And I think the interesting thing about like that anecdotal data is is by and large the the the, the before and after blood work that's being done um, with these you know these these kind of these. Um, N of one sort of, uh, you know, K series, if you will, they're from people who are, are really changing nothing about their daily routine. They're, they're very active. They're very fit. Typically, um, they eat a very healthy, whether it's keto or paleo, they eat a very healthy carnivore <laughs> diet. They eat a very healthy diet. Generally speaking, the only difference they're making in their daily routine is this, the introduction of full body light therapy. And they're seeing pretty profound differences in testosterone production. So, um, I think that's what really stands out uh, to me. And then even, even in the, the clinical studies that I mentioned that we're enrolling right now with, uh, with Dr. Uh, Gibbous at Bristlecone uh, Medical in Minneapolis, Minnesota, this first wave of patients, uh, they're seeing the same thing with before and after uh, blood work um, is pretty profound differences in, in hormonal health. So that's what stands out to me, Wes. I don't, I'm not sure if you had anything to add there. No, I, I'd say, I'd say without a doubt. And, and it goes back to your first question, Zach, is it's all, you know, it's all leading to sleep is enhanced. And when sleep is enhanced, you know, that everything can be replenished in the body from muscles to cognitive um, and, and, you know, to hormonal health. I mean, it's impossible for you to see improved hormonal health if you're not getting adequate sleep. 
so it, it all kind of leads back to that. And it really leads back to just in general, humans really lack the understanding of light on the human body from the circadian rhythm aspect, um, all the way to what we're exposing ourselves to on a daily basis, such as screens um, and artificial blue light. So it's really, really fascinating. As Scott mentioned, there's individuals we work with that are so dialed into their health. They're keto, they're high intensity training, they're doing cold thermogenesis, sauna work, but just the implementation of a 10 minute treatment of light takes their testosterone and can more than double it. And on some occasions we've seen it tripled. So what, what, what's the missing piece there? It's just, just an adequate healthy exposure to, to wavelengths of light other than blue light and, and that we typically get on a daily basis. Yeah, and, and that's kind of the interesting thing, I think, when you're working with real serious athletes or like professional athletes, for sure, they, they tend to be very regimental and kind of have a process. So it's, it's, it's more or less really easy to say like, well, here's kind of the, it, it might just be easier to control like any changes because they're likely not to make a whole lot of changes at once. So, you know, you get someone who has a wide sweeping, like overhaul lifestyle change, and it's hard to maybe pinpoint what's doing what, but then you get someone who's been competing at a high level for years you know, they're more than likely not going to make a wide sweeping change. So you can get them to tweak a tiny thing at a time and, and actually kind of see what difference that is making versus some potential confounders in there. Without a doubt. And you think about the athlete. I mean, look at what they have to go through as far as the sleep aspect. I mean, how much let's let, let's go like we, we've been working pretty closely with some of the members on the PGA Tour um, is they travel 36 weeks out of the year. And they're in different hotel rooms, different time zones. I mean, that jacks up their sleep. They're constantly under stress. And that's what they've reported back to their athletes and even trainers. We, I've, I've been personally working with a trainer we just did an interview with, um, Dr. Troy Van Beesen. And he, he was pretty skeptical. And he's one of those that he wants to test it himself before he uses it on any of his, of his athletes. Uh, and uh, in just in 60 days with just some, some daily exposure, he saw his, his, uh, his total jump up 200, 200 points um, and his free jump from 19 to 34. And, 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 what, and what's he battling there is consistency of a regular circadian rhythm because of the travel. And when you just get that exposure, you, it just, it, it, I can't even say it enough, just natural light is so beneficial to the body. And, and, and majority of folks, if you ask them, um, they would tell you that light is an illumination. It's not, it's not an energy for, uh, source for the body. Yeah, I got one more question, I think, related to, to sleep. Uh, and that is, like, when you guys are looking at quality of sleep with this stuff, are you measuring, like, duration or deep sleep versus light sleep and that sort of stuff? Or is it, like, a combination of, of that and other things? It, it, we're definitely getting into more granular about that. Does it enhance REM? Does it enhance deep? Um, so far, it's been a lot, of, uh, a lot of anecdotal, but... That's why I'm really encouraged with, with some of the actual quantitative data we're getting back from that group in Michigan. Um, and and uh, their, uh, uh, NeuroPeak Pro is the actual name of that, of that group. And they work with a lot of high professional athletes and, and organizations. And they, they're solely looking at circadian rhythm and how they can optimize the athlete by just optimizing their circadian rhythm. And it's amazing what they can do from hormonal levels, um, et cetera, that it just enhance um, those levels. So. Uh, and, and that's why they're looking at it through, through live EG scans and they can see that it's, it's, it's changing this in the brain as it's relaxing you. So my, my hunch before we started was that it's moving folks into a parasympathetic state out of, uh, out of a sympathetic state. So essentially getting you to relax so you can, you can go into a deep sleep. I, I think that has something to do with it. And when you can relax before bed, 
um, you're just going to go into a much deeper sleep and everything's going to get uh, replenished better. So there, that, that's exciting, Zach, is we can look at that further as we kind of kind of peel back these layers as as really light as it, it's much more impactful than uh, I, start, I mean, PBM than just skin health. I mean, the last 20 years, there's been a huge focus on just skin health, but that's really just a positive side effect that the body is, is receiving tremendous amount of benefit from from red and near infrared. I've heard some people that, that you know, have kind of talked about, you know, maybe maybe in a skeptical way that some of the skin health benefits are generally just to uh, increase vasodilation due to, to a mild heat response. Because, you know, while this isn't like a tanning bed or anything where you get you know, sunburn or hot, there is a little bit of warmth that's given off, and, and that's, that's a causative effect. And the other thing I'd, I'd like to say is, and I think Wes, you and I discussed this with your brother um, a while ago. I can't remember if we did or not, but we talked about remote effects. That is to say, if you stimulate your right shoulder, there's maybe system-wide system benefits. Is that, is that, was I remembering that correctly or am I mistaken on that? No, you're, you're remembering it correctly. There, there's a group in Australia um, that, that they're, they're looking heavily just at, at the brain activity. And when they, when they shine light at different parts of the body, covering, covering the head so it's not getting exposed, they're seeing the brain light up and, do, and, and, and react to those. And in fact, we, we had a call with Dr. Hamlin, who's, a, who's a, a research professor that sits on our scientific advisory board. He's arguably the leading expert on the planet. Um, and he, he said that there was a study where they they just shined light on a, a, an individual's back where they had significant back pain and it actually lifted their, some of their depression symptoms. Um, and it was not related to relieving uh, the back pain. So, I mean, that, that's, that's just one study, but there's no doubt. I, I, I think there is a, a, an absolute effect with that. Cause it, think about it. If you're, if you're shining light on your, on your back and you're just doing a targeted treatment and we can correlate that to enhanced sleep, then there, there's definitely a, a, a wide systematic effect on the rest of the body. I mean, more, more to come on that for sure, but I would, you know, I, I would say that's probably the case. Yeah, I mean, we certainly, you know, we've got, you know, and, and I learned this years ago, I mean, the pineal gland responds to light, and that's, you know, with our eyes closed. I mean, because, you know, you think about you need your eyes to see, but your body actually senses light through other mechanisms and skin's probably just as valid as, any of these other ones. Let's talk about uh, depth of penetration because I know, you know, you talk about four to six inches. How far does this stuff penetrate? Some people talk about putting it up near their head and it actually penetrates into the, into the you know, through our skull and into our brain. So what's the research show about depth of penetration on this stuff? That, that's really the biggest difference, Sean, between red and, and near infrared light. So red light in the mid 600 nanometer range and then near infrared in that kind of that, that low to mid 800 nanometer range is really just depth of penetration. So um, red light is readily absorbed in the epidermis and dermis of your skin. Uh, and that's why you often see it being used as the predominant like wavelength in skin related studies. Uh, whereas um, near infrared light does have the unique ability to penetrate much deeper. Uh, it does penetrate through through bone. The energy does dissipate quite a bit as it travels through bone. Um, so, like as an example, depending on the type of bone that it's penetrating through, you'll you'll lose upwards of eighty percent of the energy. That's why you need kind of a higher powered device, you know, when treating, you know, head related, you know, head related um, for head related treatments. Um, uh, or, or something of, of that nature. Uh, but that's really the, the core difference. The mechanism of action is believed to be the same uh, between the two. It's really just the major difference being depth of penetration. Um, and that's why near infrared light, you know, most of the time, you know, I, I would venture to say over 80% of the time is used 
uh, in 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 uh, clinical data that's or when researchers are studying deeper tissue types of treatments, whether it's you know uh, muscle tissue, whether it's um, you know studying joint pain um, or recovering from energy, uh, uh, recovering from inju injuries, uh, brain related studies, etc. It's it's uh, near infrared light, kind of in that low to mid eight hundred nanometer ranges, uh, is the wavelength that that's used most of the time. You talked about, you know, the, uh, the, perform the power requirements. Um, let's talk a little bit because I've got a picture behind me. I hope this is, this, this is a juve behind me. It's not me. It's a sort of a stock picture that I grabbed off the Internet. But uh, um, anyway, and I do spend quite a bit of time standing there naked in front of the damn thing. So, but I'm just wondering, let's talk because there, there are a number of red and infrared products on the market right now. So let's talk a little bit about what makes yours unique better i mean obviously you guys can be a little biased about it but talk about what you think makes a good product and talk about your product specifically as compared to perhaps some of the other products that are out there because we've seen i've seen these red light things uh, uh, advertised in airplane magazines from 15 years ago you know growing your hair back and all this and gloves and stuff like that so talk a little bit about your product as opposed to some of the other stuff that's out on the market Sure. I'll, I'll start at a high level and Wes, you can kind of piggyback off my response to this, but, but I'll, I'll kind of tie it back into like the, our origin story with Juve. So I, I mentioned um, this was back in 2015 uh, when we were kind of looking at um, looking at, at the compelling research around light therapy and then comparing it to like what was available in the marketplace, we noticed a few things that, that really stood out to us is like I said before, most of the products are, are small little handheld devices. They can't, those can be beneficial. Um, but it, you know, if you want true full body systemic uh, photobiomodulation, you typically need a larger device. Um, and that, that's why we designed our products to be modular in nature, meaning that you can start out with a smaller device and then add on to it. Um, kind of like Lego blocks, you can add on to it and build out a full body system over time. So that's very unique to us. So, that, that's one of the big things that stands out uh, with respect to our devices. And then um, the other major gap in the market that we saw back in 2015, and it's, 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 um, it's, it's, we're, we're seeing a lot more light therapy devices come out, come on the market now. Um, but, but just so size and coverage area are, are really important. Um, and, and again, we, we're biased towards full body light therapy. And so size coverage and, and power are, are pretty important. Um, you want to, ideally you want something that covers a large, a large area of your body, but can still deliver a therapeutic dose of, of energy. So, um, that, those are kind of the, at, at a high level anyway, those, those kind of the core things that, um, that where our devices really stand out. And a lot of it kind of circles back to that modular design that allows you to kind of start small if you want to get your feet wet with light therapy and then add on to your system over time. Yeah, yeah, w w uh, exactly that. And one other thing for, for consumers they can look for is, is when you're looking at, at, you know, the right wavelengths and power, you need to make sure those have actually been validated. Um, we've test personally tested a lot of these other products on the market, and they're, they're delivering half the power of what, you know, what they're saying. So that, that's a pretty big and important fact and see that this stuff has been, you know, IEC tested or, or it's registered with, with, with the FDA. Those, those are pretty impactful things you need to look at. If you're going to be exposing yourself to some radiation from, from natural light, you need to make sure you're using um, uh, and, and, and that, it's, that it's safe. Uh, you know? So that, that's what you'll see is it's missing with a lot of these companies is they, they try to like piggyback off of, of what they see and, and see those, you know, the wavelengths, the power, um, and then the coverage area. But you also really have to look at it. Has this been tested? What's the, you know, what's the third party uh, data say, et cetera. So, that's a pretty important factor to look at as well. If I'm not mistaken, I think I saw you guys were working maybe with a few uh, professional sports teams. Is that, am I, I thought I saw an NFL team or something, perhaps. Is that, was I imagining that or is that something that's happening? 
Yeah, there, there's been several. There's been several um, sports teams, several universities have, have been using um, and, and, and implementing our, our products, such as Stanford, um, Cincinnati University, recently North Carolina. Um, and there, there's been some, some teams over the years as well, from, from the Wizards um, to uh, just recently the, uh, the Washington Redskins. And then um, we're currently talking to a couple other ones, but they're, they're, they're naturally um, curious as it as well, because they're, they're looking for stuff that can, you know, not only, um, you know, increase performance, but also keep the athlete on the field. Um, and you, I mean, you talk about uh, the NFL and, and the potential of light therapy for, for uh, the, the use for, um, you know, healing concussions. Um, there, there's, there's not really research there, but there is some encouraging evidence that it can help with traumatic brain injury. Um, and then what, you know, enhance sleep. So there, there, there's teams that are, and there's organizations that are looking at it and it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. And Dr. Hamblin, um, as I mentioned earlier, he's, he's a firm believer that in the next, you know, five to 10 years, there'll be a light therapy product, um, in, in every home. It's that, it's that impactful. And he actually, there was a funny paper, um, and that he labeled it as, is should, should, uh, it was a cheeky, uh, article, but it should, should red light therapy be, be banned, um, from, from, uh, you know, Olympic use because the benefits are so, so, uh, staggering. Yeah. And, and just to add to that, I know Sean, you asked for some, some yeah, data along points. kind of the, those same. Oh, sorry, sorry to interrupt there, Zach. I was just going to say real quick to add to that. I think you, no, you no, asked no for some, Go ahead. Some, some data points earlier. I, I was, you know, while, uh, while we've been kind of chatting about this, I pulled up some clinical studies and just to name a few for anyone that is kind of still skeptical, I, I would highly encourage you to dig, dig, dig a little bit deeper. But um, this was from a 2011 study, double blind placebo controlled, where they saw um, uh, participants uh, see a 55% increase in leg press tests uh, versus the non uh, light therapy group. Um, so that, that's, that's pretty compelling, uh, 2014 study, uh, that compared, you know, that had a, a placebo, a placebo group as well as a, a group that was treated with light therapy saw 52% increase in the max number of repetitions. Um, it doesn't just apply to, to, to sort of like, uh, muscle building either. Um, there is a 2018 triple blind placebo controlled, uh, study where, um, uh, the participants, um, that received light therapy saw, um, uh, the improvement, improvement in their endurance uh, at three times the rate than the exercise, uh, than, the, than the group that just uh, did exercise alone. So like the, the stats are really compelling. I think that's why you're starting to see like this, this conti uh, continue to take off in the, in, the, in the world of professional athletics. So I just kind of wanted to add, add in some, some context to, to that because I, I didn't probably effectively answer that question earlier. No, that's yeah, great. I mean, just to be just to be fair, I mean, I, when I see something like fifty-two percent increase, you know, I'd have to see the actual numbers and I'd have to see where they were starting. Because if I were to get a fifty percent increase in anything I did, uh, you, know, you know, I would I would be pretty damn uh, amazed. I'd be like a world champion of the world champions. So, I mean, I think it depends on their starting point, I suppose. If you were novice versus experienced lifter, I think you know, I think we have to put it in context. I would. You know, I would like to, you know, I would you know, like to see what they were, who they were looking at, because, I mean, you know, Zach, you're not going to run 50% faster to, to, uh, <laughs> to your, you know, 100 mile race. I don't, I don't think. Maybe I'll be surprised, but I mean, it, it's good to see that there is that data out there. But you know, at the same time, I think, you know, we have a, I mean, a goodness. I mean, we just have a society of people that are just wrecked in a number of ways, whether it's, you know, circadian biology, light exposure, metabolic disease. I mean, there's so many problems out there. Um, what, what's wrong with blue light? Because I mean, I mean, the sun puts out blue light too. Why is, why is blue light a problem? Or is it just, we're overdosing on this stuff? What, what's, what's going on with that? Or do you guys know anything about that? 
Yeah, I mean, there, there's a few things. So let's just start with what what blue light and how it's beneficial. Is it it really is for, uh, you know the the melanopsin uh, gene in our eyes responds to that, and what does that do? It helps it helps cortisol. It's a very high energy light, um, and that's what keeps us going. And and blue light is naturally its highest at noon, and once we're past noon, it's slowly decreasing throughout the day, um, and that's why when the sun goes down, you eventually start to feel sleepy. Um, as, a, as, a, as our modern world has, uh, you know, evolved, we haven't mitigated blue. We've actually invited it into our homes, into our lives in a significant way. And when I mentioned earlier uh, that sleep, had, we used to sleep, the average American slept over nine hours. The average American is now sleeping um, six and a half hours. And it's drastically different. Uh, and, and we're now, I mean, there's studies where you'll see folks, um, you, you'll see studies where they're, they're reading from uh, uh, um, an iPad multiple hours before bed versus someone reading from a book. And, and the melatonin difference is 50% decreased in that, in that reading from, um, uh, you know, an iPad because it's, it's giving off that blue light. It's telling our circadian rhythm that it's noon and it's halting a natural um, urge the body has. So that, that, that's the biggest difference of how blue light is just so misused. And it goes into really everything us as humans understand of light is we just have a very, very, very big misunderstanding. We've, we've, we've really dialed in to, you know, how to optimize food and the proper diets and what you guys are doing in the carnivore community, seeing, seeing that take off and heal people is incredible. But a base fundamental piece of our health is, is light. We literally start our day because the sun comes up. That's what triggers cortisol. That's what gets us out of the, way, the, you know, the sleepy state. And what puts us to sleep is also the, the absence of light. And we need to respect those as we are dineural creatures. Midnight is midnight for a reason. It's not when we're supposed to go to bed. Um, and, and just how delicate we are to sleep. I was listening to um, uh, Matthew Walker. He's, a, uh, he, he's, an, he's an expert in sleep. He, he resided at Harvard for a while. And now he's a tenured professor at Cal Berkeley. And he was mentioning a study that they did over 1.6 billion people across 70 countries. And they were looking at daylight savings. And when that hour is taken away in, in, in the spring, um, heart attack rates increased 25% that Monday. And then it, it kind of evens out throughout the week. But nonetheless, that's how delicate we are to sleep. So it, it really, in my eyes, if you look at, uh, you know, sleep as, as a really, uh, you know, base for if your if your health is good, your sleep will will represent that. Yeah, Wes, and, I, and I'm looking at both you guys, and you're sitting in by a sunny window, and, and Scott's outside, obviously, and, and you know Zach and I are unfortunately inside, I think. But uh, <laughs> I've got a little by me, so it's not too bad. But um, I, I wonder, you know, talk about your guys' daily rhythms or routines, because I know I know Wes, you were showing me about how you turn the phone to super red, and I did that. And everybody asked me why my phone's so damn red, but. You know, so because when I look at it, because I do fair bit on stuff on the phone there, so I've got I've got all kind of the blue minimized and stuff like that. But talk about how you guys or individually together um, sort of kind of do your day to day routine around you know I guess around light I guess. Well, it, it, I I can start there as as when you're you know to to keep my rhythm into place. When I wake up, the first thing I do is I go outside and I get exposed to that blue light, so my system gets going. I mean, that's pretty pretty important in that. And I mentioned that group in Michigan, that's what they're doing with their athletes. They're exposing them to blue light as soon as they're up and, and not from your phone. That's a little too high um, of blue light than you should be getting in the morning. So I keep that red tint on my phone um, until about, 
nine thirty ten, and then I'll take it off. Um, and then I'll also, you know, for, for those, if you have the conveniences, keeping your phone in airplane mode. So you just don't get on the phone. I find that a lot easier. So I can literally have time um, to wake up. So, you know, then through midday, I'm not so worried about it. Uh, light, um, because you should be exposed to blue light. Um, and, 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 but then come nighttime, as soon as it gets starting to get dark, um, I, I don't turn on um, LED lights. I have, I have salt lamps that are very, very low in, in, in a Calvin. Um, and I'll actually dim a little bit of, a, uh, of our red light, uh, of our smaller device, uh, excuse me, our smaller device is about that big, I'll have it in the corner on. Um, so I don't actually expose myself. And if I have anything on, I'll, I'll wear uh, some blue light blocking glasses. And I kid you not, when I put those on, by about 9, 9.30, I'm out like a lot. I mean, I, I just can't stay up. Um, and then I wake up right now because the sun, the sun is rising at about, at about 5, 5.30 here in, in California every day. So that's what time I get up and I can't, I can't really sleep much longer. So I find when going in that rhythm and then when you mix in like diet and exercise in that same rhythm, you really, really can optimize yourself in a tremendous way. And that's what you'll see um, Dr. Sashin Panda showing is folks that eat in that uh, time-restricted eating window and they're cutting food off by seven o'clock, you know, going to bed with no food in your, in your stomach greatly enhances your sleep. So it's all mixed together. And, um, and that's why I say light is that is what really kicks things off for, for everybody and why it needs to be such a big focal point. Yeah, when you guys mentioned the um, daylight savings time, it made me wonder, well, that in combination with kind of the sports teams you mentioned that were using it, who are traveling a lot, and, you know, they might be on the road just as much as they're at their actual home, which is certainly going to create an uphill battle in terms of sleep quality. But uh, for folks who are traveling across like multiple time zones, have you seen any use with this in terms of resetting their circadian rhythm so it matches up with their new location versus their, their typical location? It's, it's tough to reset your rhythm that, that quickly. Um, per, per doc, uh, uh, Dr. Matthew Walker, um, he, it, it takes about eight days before you can really get your rhythm reset. Um, so, uh, I mean, you'd have to do, you'd have to be exposing yourself to a lot of different, uh, different wavelengths, not, not just red. So it wouldn't be ideal. Most folks are, you, you know, optimizing to use blue. So that's when they can, they can teach the body to first kick off cortisol in, uh, in the morning. Um, so I haven't seen them. What I've seen the biggest benefits for those folks traveling is it's, it's enhancing their sleep um, more than it is help, helping them with their rhythm. Yeah, and you guys have a smaller product. In fact, uh, my girlfriend often flies to Asia several times a year, and she's been taking that with, with her just to you know, do before bedtime, and she says it seems to help a little bit. Let me ask you about, um, you know, because there are people that work night shift. I mean, that, that is something that unfortunately, well, I mean, unfortunately, unfortunately, and, and those people suffer. I mean, they really do. I've, I've had, I've done consultations with people on the night shift and try to figure out what's the best way to sort of to mitigate, you know, the, the, the backwards biology, basically. Do you, do you see a role in this product, perhaps those people, perhaps? I would say no doubt. And the first thing I'd recommend there is, is get, if at all can, get a different career job. I mean, the, the, the numbers are just staggering for people who are night shift workers. It's, it's, it's almost impossible to help them, them stay in a rhythm because of that. And, and the, ab, the absence of actual light is, I mean, we know this from, from seasonal defective disorder, affects serotonin. Um, and so that would be the number one. I mean, it definitely can help. But the number one thing would be is, is get your body out and get it into our natural, natural rhythm. 
Yeah, and Sean, just to add to this, I'm not I'm not sure if you see it um, at, at all, but like there there is like this uh, this it's very early, uh, admittedly, but there is a shift um, in hospital systems beginning to incorporate different different types of light, um, just because they're they're seeing that um, patients are recovering faster, you know, when not exposed to like bright blue light at at night. Um, so I think that's that's super interesting that you're starting to see like large healthcare systems begin. I mean, granted, like I said earlier, it's still very early, but we're, like there is there is like an underbelly uh, that's that's our undercurrent of, of of change there with respect to lighting inside the hospital environment. Um, you know, because that's that's who I think of right away. You know, with with night workers, you know, as people that are working a, a night shift at a hospital. I mean, there's other certainly other other industries that where this this occurs as well. But um, but to to to, to Wes's point, like another another tool would be would be some sort of like eyewear. You know, and um, I myself, this is one of the biggest things that I notice. In fact, last night I was up. Uh, my 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 dad's in town here in California. We were up late watching it. Not late, but up later, probably the normal watching a movie. And I, I didn't I, I didn't have my my blue light blocking glasses on my I it totally disrupted my sleep last night um so if you're new to this whole light game just getting some some blue light blocking glasses and wearing those you know once the sun does set in the evening I think will be will be pretty game changing but if you're working a, a, a late a late shift that's kind, that kind of is, is hard because because those glasses tend to make you a little bit sleepy so even just some some uh some different almost like some day blockers I know there's a there's a lot of different companies that sell you know um sort of day blockers that I, I actually wear them most of the time when I'm staring at like bright computer monitors during the day so that's another kind of maybe hack that that someone could could employ you know if you're working uh working the night shift you know well as, as we're well aware that you know as the season changes the, the, the length of daytime changes significantly how does that impact this sort of stuff i mean you know obviously in the summertime that it may you may have 15 hours of daylight in the winter you may have nine or something like that or depending if you live really in the extremes of latitude then you know you might go 24 hours of complete darkness and so have you guys seen any sort of research on that and in, in, in red light blue light type stuff you know from from my understanding and and scott you can correct me if i'm wrong but the, the research is around like sad and those devices it's uh, satellites it that's not super super thorough um and it, it's it's not super uh, i guess compelling but no doubt it affects it affects folks um in, in, in a big big impactful way and a big thing is keeping them on their, their rhythm. Um, that, that, that's highly important that we stay on that rhythm. And I mean, it's tough. That, that would be really interesting research to see, Sean, is, is how, you know, what, what's the sleep quality of the, of the, you know, the folks who live in, you know, in, in, a, in an area where, let's say Canada, where the, maybe the sun's not shining super well through those years and, or through those seasons. And I, I can attest to that as well as I'm, I'm originally from the Midwest. So um, the sun disappears, you know, December through, through February and it, it, it can get extremely, extremely gloomy. Um, but that, that, that'd be really interesting, you know, stats to look at as, as we progress. Yeah, no, I think that'd be, that would be sort of very interesting stuff. Um, trying to think what else have we got? I've got just a few more minutes to so tell us a little bit about where people can locate your product. If they want to, you want to, I don't know if you guys rent them, if you guys sell them, if you guys, have places where people can go and, and, and sort of demo them. Um, let us let us know a little bit about that information. Yeah, you bet. Um, uh, so our, our, our website is uh, juve.com. That's J-O-O-V-V.com. Um, and a great place to start is our learn page. Um, there, there's a plethora of, of, of articles there that are all you know, sourced from from published clinical data data and we put it in an easy format that you can you can uh, you know read it 
pretty quickly um, and get and get a good idea for it. And if you want to click on and see where these are coming from, uh, the, these articles are based on their information. Um, those are all linked. So that's a great place uh, to start. And then we always recommend, you know, go go peek through the review the reviews page. Um, go look at what what people are actually saying. Those are all. You know, uh, the, those reviews uh, come directly uh, after they're inserted. They go right up on, on our site. So those are two two really good places you can check out um, that I that I I'd highly recommend. Yeah, and, and just to, I was just gonna say, just to add to that, there's a we, we do have a therapy locator on our site now too. So if you just kind of want to go go try a, go try it at like a commercial facility as well, um, you can just click on that that clinical therapy locator and, and type in your zip code and get a, get an idea of kind of what 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 clinics in your area offer offer uh, this type of therapy. Hey, let me ask, ask me to ask you, where did the name come from? Where does Juve come from? Cause I just, I just got interested how you guys came up with that name for the product. I'll, I'll, I'll let Scott answer that one. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's, it's a play or it's short for rejuvenation. Cause at, at, at the highest of levels, this is sort of what these wavelengths of light are doing, you know, to our bodies is re, is rejuvenating our, our, our cells. So it's a play on that word. And then, um, you know, in full transparency, we were looking for a dot com and we wanted it to be kind of short. And so that was one of the, the few, uh, you know, short dot coms that was still available, I guess, back in 2015. So we, uh, we went with it. It, and and if, if we have a little time, uh, Sean, I'd love to hear your, your anecdotal feedback so far. I know you were, I know when we first chatted at Paleo FX um, at the end of April, you were pretty, uh, you were pretty skeptical. So I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts after some, you know, some, uh, a month or two of, of, of consistent use. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I'll be completely transparent. I've not been as consistent as I'd like to be just because of the, the, the you know, I would say I probably use it three or four times a week and probably will endeavor to do it more. Um, I find that whenever I use it prior to bedtime, I, I've had quality sleep every time, you know, and, and to be fair, I generally sleep pretty well. I think diet helps me with that. And to your point about not eating late, that also helps, but, but my sleep quality has been, um, you know, notably good every time I've used it. You know, I do have an occasional night where I don't sleep as well for various reasons and it may be eating too late or excess stimulation or something like that. Um, and so, but when I've used the unit, my sleep has been good. And then consequently, you know, when you sleep, when you sleep well, other things go well. And so I've seen it. I have used that prior to, uh, a number of workouts. And I will say that the workouts have been good with that. I haven't like seen a hundred percent increase in my athletic performance after a single session or anything like that. But I mean, I would say it's been consistently good. Um, I am, uh, you know, continuing to try to, um, sort of get a better, um, regimen going because it's my, my, currently my schedule is a little wacky at the moment. So, you know, I'm doing a lot of traveling and a lot, a lot of just different hour stuff. And so, but yeah, I mean, I think so far it has been, you know, a, 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 you know, certainly not a negative experience. Um, it's, it's enjoyable. Um, you know, my dog likes to sit in it. I don't know. Does it help animals? Sometimes the dog sits there next to me when I do that. So it's been, uh, uh, been generally good. So, I mean, like, we'll see, we'll see how, we'll see how the next couple months go, because that's, that's something that, uh, uh, I'd like to see, you know, objectively performance wise, you know, and, and I've seen some, uh, you know, some objective performance measures getting better at this point, you know, like I said, I'm already at a pretty darn high level from what I'm trying to do athletically. And so, but I have seen, you know, incremental improvement now, again, whether that's, you know, just improvement from training, in time or, or this is adding to it. I mean, you know, it's hard to definitely say that, but I can say that it's not been negative and it certainly helped for sure. The biggest thing I've seen is it's helped with sleep quality. And I think for a lot of people's 
getting sleep like you pointed to and you think that may be the best effect, I would, I would echo that it does seem to improve my sleep for sure. Yeah, that, that, that's cool. And I, I think you do a pretty good job as well. I saw your setup when we, when we stopped by uh, uh, last month and you, you do a fair amount of exercise outside, um, you know, anyways, which is, I mean, phenomenal. I mean, that's, I mean, p- picture the benefits to that versus somebody going to a, you know, a gym that's just all LED lit, right? And there's not a lot of natural sun. So you, you've, already, you've already been optimizing pretty good as is. So it's, it's cool to see that, you know, just, again, we're talking about just a natural uh, exposure to healthy light, what, what it can do. And that's, you know, you're, you're experiencing uh, enhanced sleep over just a short time. Imagine if you stay with that for the next 10 to 20 to 30 years. Um, I, I'm a fundamental believer that we, we shouldn't see the body starting to decline at the age of 30 and testosterone going down and, and all this stuff happening. It's, it's, it, it's just, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, we just don't understand how, how this stuff works. And, and we're seeing through, through folks like yourself um, and, you know, the products that we're providing, when you can incorporate that, you see the body sustaining and, and not declining, which is uh, incredible. Yeah, I would echo that. I think I think what we take for normal and, and common these days is not health. I mean, that's not normal physiology. I think we're, uh, um, you know, we are designed to function well, just like any other, you know, any other animal. I mean, when an animal starts getting sick or obese or weak, they're dead. I mean, that's just what happens in nature. And unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, but we have human beings out there that are very sick or very weak or very obese, and we can kind of keep them going but that's not the natural order of things. And we should be getting 80 years of quality life, you know, and, and some of us will get lucky and live a little bit longer, assuming it's in quality. But yeah, absolutely. I agree with that 100%. And, you know, I think lining these things up with proper sleep, proper light exposure, proper nutrition, well-timed and well-executed exercise and some stress management techniques. And then I think you've got, you know, a recipe for a, a long and pleasurable life you know, free of most disease. And I think that's a good thing outside of acute illnesses and trauma and stuff like that. So anyway, guys, I unfortunately have to get, get out of here. Um, it's been a pleasure having you on, uh, Zach, any final, final thoughts? No, I think that was great. It was cool to hear kind of some of the background of the company as well as like the research you guys have dove into to kind of start the process with that stuff. And, um, we'll link the, the website to the show notes, but if you guys have any social media handles or anything you want to share, feel free to do that. And I can link those as well. Yeah, you, you can find um, you can find us at at Juve Social, so J O O V V, and then social, and you can find us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and, and Twitter. Cool, awesome guys! Thanks a bunch for coming on, Wes and Scott. Awesome, thanks for having thanks, us, guys. guys. Yeah, enjoyed the conversation. Hey, folks! Human Performance Outliers Podcast is growing, and due to the growth, we are looking to take on some new sponsors. So if you feel like your company or organization would be a good fit for our audience, please do not hesitate to reach out to hpopodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast with hosts Dr. Sean Baker and Zach Bitter. If you enjoyed the show, please consider following us on social media and checking out our websites. Links to those can be found in the show notes. Also, if you have any questions or comments, please do not hesitate to shoot us an email at hpopodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for tuning into the show.